Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code second tier. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Good Friday to my Great Friday. It's Justin Peach. Howdy, Ryan. Howdy. Howdy to you too. You alright? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm tip top. I'm, I'm absolutely cream crackered after a couple of massive Easter weekend walks. But yeah. football's keeping me through. Yeah, we went on a little wander, didn't we, a bit earlier. The first time I've seen you in person for quite some time. It's usually been through a, through Zoom for the God, past God knows how long. Um, I brought some LucasAid while we're out. I'm now drinking that out of glass. Never done that before, but it's a weird kind of classy. sensation. Very classy of you. <laughs> Other energy drinks are available, of course. Um, you are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're doing this on a Saturday, which is a bit of a weird oh, yeah. thing. We have never done this before. Probably won't do it again until the next Easter weekend. But <laughs> we're going to run through all the games from Good Friday and the one game that was this Saturday. Uh, going to finish off with some news as well, a few polls, and then finish off with a Craig Bryson pub quiz. So you've got that to look forward to. But let's kick off with some of the big games in the championship on Good Friday. Some massive games, Justin. Some massive, massive games. And one of them involved Swansea and Birmingham in the automatic promotion race. Swansea lost 1-0 after a 91st minute Scott Hogan penalty. The most amazing thing about this game for anyone who didn't watch it you wouldn't have been able to correctly guess which team was fighting for relegation and which team was fighting for automatic promotion because Swansea were really, really poor, Justin. They were... I wouldn't go as far as to say they were terrible, but they were so lacklustre. Uh, it was, you know, I tuned into it and I almost wish I didn't spend my Friday night watching it because it was just such a poor game. I mean, Barnsley-Reading set a precedent for how Friday games should be. Mm. It was exciting. This was the opposite end of the spectrum. It really was really, really poor from Swansea. And Birmingham, as you say, were the better team throughout. Yeah, Neil Etheridge had a rather comfortable night in goal for Birmingham, had a few saves to make, but apart from that, had a very easy night. And then you've got to remember, this is a Birmingham side who hadn't kept a clean sheet in the last seven games prior to this and have been dodgy at the back all season. They just lack so much going forward, Swansea, and despite having more possession, they didn't really seem to be in control of the game at any point. 
And by the end, just before the penalty, I was sat there thinking to myself, Lee Bowyer will probably be disappointed with just a point. It was that kind of game. And it's just amazing that we're saying this, considering where both teams are in the table. It's unquestionably damaged Swansea's chances of finishing in the top two. In fact, would we go as far to say that that dream's over now? I think so. I think, I know we'll get onto Brentford shortly, but what we're seeing with Swansea and Brentford is they are just playoff sides. They're not consistent or they don't have enough quality going forward at times to to essentially be a top two team. What we're seeing with Norwich and, and Watford is they've balanced out attacking and defensively. They're very well balanced. They're, they're, they're very good at doing both, whereas Swansea are very good at doing one and not necessarily other. Obviously, defensively, they're a lot tidier than they are going forward. And that's... That, that is beginning to be a bit of a stretch now because defensively, even now, they're starting to ship a few chances. They're not scoring any goals. It's not a very positive mix. And as we're saying, automatic seems a very distant memory now. Well, you say Swansea are a playoff side. Let me ask you this, Justin. Is their place in the playoffs 100% secure? Because I just assumed that Swansea miles ahead of the likes of Bournemouth, but they're actually only seven points ahead. And with Swansea's form recently, I don't think you can say for certain that Swansea are 100% in the playoffs. And let's be honest for a second, their performances have been steadily declining since the turn of the year. And they're now playing their worst football all season at the worst possible time. The The four teams behind them are all in better form than them right now. It would be miraculous if they were to fall out of the top six. But if they keep playing as badly as they have recently then I think it could easily happen. Yeah, I mean, being a Derby supporter, that 14-15 season has left a very big scar in me and we've not seen any teams do that. Obviously, Derby were top. They finished eighth in the end. It would take something spectacular. Forest last season did the same thing. Yeah. It's not out of the question. Um, I think the the main issue with Swansea at the moment is they've lost, they've lost three the last three games, but they haven't scored in that time either. That is a huge, huge worry because just going forward at any point, They've not looked threatening at all, um, and that is essentially it for me. That's that's why they're they're not going to finish in the top two, and that's why their their top six place is, is potentially under threat. Yeah, you're spot on. And I've seen bizarrely, I've seen a lot of Swansea fans calling for Steve Cooper's head. Oh no! Or, or no. What is that about? <laughs> Seriously, if Swansea fall out of the playoffs, then maybe a few question marks have to be have to be asked. But Based on this season, if Swansea were to finish in the playoffs alone, then that's a very good season, isn't it? Let's move on to Birmingham because this is a massive, massive three points for them, isn't it? It's huge. And when you consider the fact that they missed a penalty in the first half as well, which was a little bit funny, um, you expect a team with the lack of confidence that Birmingham City have uh, displayed in the past to, to drop after that. But to their credit, they didn't. They kept going. As I was saying, it's it's a sort of situation that, you know, your heads can go down immediately after that, but they kept plugging away and they kept going until the end of the game and they and they got their luck in the end with the with the penalty. But they deserved goals in, in normal time without without the aid of a of a penalty, without the aid of a decision from the referee. They they deserved the win. Um absolutely and and I was saying at the in the preview episode before the before the weekend depending on which Birmingham City side showed up, whether it's the one we saw against Reading in, in Lee Bowie's first game or the one we saw against Watford in the second game, that'll be the difference. And we got the we got the, the hard-working, organised team that, that Lee Bowie wants. 
Yeah, and it's all about momentum, isn't it, to try and drag yourselves away from uh, the relegation zone. And Birmingham have that now with Lee Bowyer. You've got to remember, you've just said they've played Reading, Watford and Swansea in that time. And they've got six points from those three games. So Lee Bowyer has done a fantastic job in the short time that he's been there already. Yeah, you expected zero point. I mean, I would, you wouldn't have been remiss to expect zero points in that run because of the, the places in the table these teams are, the quality that... Reading, Birmingham, Swansea have got. But Birmingham, as I've said, they, they've been organised, they've been structured, they've been hardworking and that's exactly the values that Lee Bowie wants to instil in this side and that's that's what's going to get them away from the relegation zone. Yeah, I mean, they're still definitely not out of it yet. Six points ahead of Rotherham, who of course have games in hand. So still plenty of work to do, but based on what we've seen in Lee Bowie's short time already, looks like he's doing a fantastic job. Let's move on, Justin, to Brentford and Huddersfield. Brentford could only draw one all at Saturday lunchtime. Carlos Corbran said a draw was probably a fair result. Not sure I completely agree. Brentford had 15 shots to Huddersfield's three. Brentford hit the woodwork, had two very decent chances that they probably should have done better with. But a draw is a draw. A great result for Huddersfield. Doesn't do much for Brentford's hopes of automatic promotion, though. Uh, well, as I was saying, what we're seeing with Swansea and Brentford is their two playoff teams. They don't have the consistency that Watford and Norwich have, and that's what's ultimately letting them down. They were very mediocre against his Huddersfield team. It's no discredit to Huddersfield, but... Brentford have to go into every game if they've got any ambition of finishing in the top two, wanting to win it, and they have, that's the mentality they have to have. They don't have that. They 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 failed to pick up three points. They were one 0 down for a large periods of the for for a very large period of the game. You can almost say they were fortunate to to come out with a with a point. So you have to be disappointed from a Brentford perspective, and you'd almost have to be disappointed from a Huddersfield perspective as well. Why from a Huddersfield perspective? Because you want to look through for a large period of the game. You want to see the game out. Um, and then obviously you, you, you drop you drop two points, and they are down there. They are fighting, although it's a it's a it's a point gained essentially against a top six team. You wanna you wanna see these games out. Yeah, I think it's a good point for Huddersfield. <laughs> but from from a Brentford perspective, I think we're at that stage now where if they were to go up automatically, they'd have to win just about every game now between now and the end of the season. If they win their game in hand, they're six points behind Watford and they've still got to play each other in fairness. So I wouldn't say it's just over just yet. Brentford will have to play a lot better than they have done recently. Like. Well, that, this is what I mean. They, what they're lacking at the moment, they had plenty of shots against Huddersfield, but what they're lacking at the moment is something that they've had all season, which is decisiveness in front of goal. They've, it seems like their efficiency in front in front of the, the opposition goal was just dropped completely and it's as I say it's it's not what you need at this stage in the season if you want to be a top two team No and that, that's been an issue, the issue all season really Ivan Tony has been clinical all season anti, but the rest of the side have really lacked that killer instinct but if they were to start showing it over the next few games then you never know um, Swansea fans will be asking why are we saying Brentford could still catch up with Watford and Swansea can't I think it's just because Swansea have been so poor recently and their form seems to be getting worse and worse Brentford are capable of putting together a winning run aren't they so that's why I'm still fairly confident that Brentford could push Watford to the end well, Brentford are still creating chances they're just not yeah, yeah. putting the ball in the net essentially with Swansea as I said 
their their form in front of goal, their form creatively is just nosedived. They're not doing anything in front of goal. They're doing what Derby, Birmingham City, Forest have been doing for a large portion of the season. They're not challenging the opposition keeper. So that's the difference between the sides. Yeah, definitely. How big a point is this for Huddersfield then? Still fighting relegation, but a point's a point, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously considering that Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry lost, it puts a little bit of breathing space between yourselves and that bottom three. And obviously the team just above the the bottom three as well in Coventry. So it is a big point. And Huddersfield form, is, it's, it's been pretty tidy. They're unbeaten in four. They're, they're becoming harder to beat. There's been a bit of a switch from Corbran. He's, he's sort of responded to the really bad form they've displayed since the turn of the year. So it's it's good reactiveness from Corbran in his first we have to consider it as well. It's his first full-time managerial role. Mm. You know, he's, he's he's learning on the job essentially, and yeah, I think he's done a very good a very good thing for us for the time this season. Unbeaten in five, you're doing them a disservice, Justin. Um, <laughs> Yaya Sonogo up front had a good game as well. Love seeing that. Want to see a bit more of Yaya? Yaya Sonogo and Nabi Sal were a part of the same under twenty side in the uh, World Cup in 2013. Well, how about that? Who Along knew with. That, eh? Along with Paul Pogba, Samuel Untiti and Florian Talvin, however you say his name. I mean, Sonogo was a decent prospect when he was at Arsenal, wasn't he? But the fact that Naby Sarr's in there as well is a bit of a, a, bit of a weird one. Whoa. He's a good player. It's just I never really associated him as, associated him as a young prospect. Well, not now anyway, but back back then. I think, I think that tournament was the one that um, Arsene Wenger signed Sonogo from because he scored a ridiculous amount of goals. And what a fantastic signing that turned out to be. <laughs> Let's move on, Justin. Watford beat Wednesday 1-0 through a Tom Lee's own goal. We'll talk about the actual game and what it means for Watford's promotion chances in just a sec. But should the goal have actually stood? Basically, the cross has come in. Lee's has diverted it into his own net. But the cross was initially intended for Isaac Success, who was miles offside. So the argument is Lee's wouldn't have... <clears throat> you know, diversity into his own net if success wasn't there. So what, what do you think? Now, listeners might not know this, but I was a qualified referee when I was 16 years old. There you go. I refereed for two years. That's it. And I'm qualified. <laughs> I'm now 27. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, my understanding of the rules is the same as everybody's. I, I think it was offside. If the ball gets played over the top of the defence and the defender clears the ball after being put under pressure from the attacker, it's offside because he's influenced the defender's decision to clear the ball. Tom Lees has obviously tried to clear the ball because success is behind him. Success is offside, but unfortunately the ball's gone in the net. It's still offside. That's it. It's offside. Oh. I'm not going to argue with you. You know more than me. Um, <laughs> the, actual, <laughs> the actual game, not as comfortable as you might expect for one that is between second and second from bottom. Wednesday had a couple of decent chances, didn't they? Particularly Jordan Rhodes. He missed a golden chance mm. in the second half. But it's a massive three points for Watford. And asking the question now, how comfortable are Watford in second place? They're they're in the proverbial cliche driving seat, aren't they? They they've they've got momentum. They've they've got form. They didn't play particularly well. It's not the typical Watford performance you expect from them at home, but they got the result. Um, you know, Wednesday were always in the game, but Wednesday were they 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 had it in control uh, essentially, um, and they've got players coming in. Isaac's success, as you say, has, has been playing centre forward. Um, Will Hughes was dominant in the middle. They've they've got a settled spine now, which is something they didn't have under Ivic and under at the start of Isco's reign either. So I have to say that, for me, I'd be very comfortable if I was a Watford supporter right now. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you say Watford are in the driving seat. I don't think that's even doing them justice. They're in the <laughs> driving seat and they've got the seatbelt on as well. That's how secure they are. Um, it's going to take something spectacular now from a Brentford or a Swansea. As I say, I think Brentford would be the most likely out of those two. But it's, either way, it's going to take something amazing for Watford to be caught now. Um, so, yeah, they, they're looking pretty set as it stands after this performance. I think for Wednesday, it's definitely an encouraging performance for Big Darren Moore. Obviously, wasn't in the dugout because he's been diagnosed with COVID. But again, they're looking all right, even in defeat. You know what? I'm, I'm, the, what Darren Moore has done to his Wednesday team, I think, is one of the biggest achievements this season. Um, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, I mean, he's completely transformed. And when you consider that they've gone from Steve Bruce, Gary Monk, Tony Pulis, very direct, organised, route one type managers, he's got them playing fairly slick, sharp passing football. Mm. They actually outpassed Watford in this game. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of work to do because they're not they're not essentially winning games. But they've come up against one of the best ball playing midfields in the league. In Watford, and they've they've out they've outpassed them, and I think that's progress. It's positive progress. So if Wednesday do go down, Darren Moore has to be the man. If this appointment was made earlier, I'd be very confident in saying that Wednesday would be out of the relegation zone, and not necessarily in a comfortable position, but they wouldn't be staring down the barrel of of League One if that was the case. So, you know, a bit of decisiveness up top in in getting the man um, man in charge in Darren Moore earlier might might have been the might have been the opportunity to get out of that bottom three. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened, but. The progress is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. And the, the thing is, they were, they were trying to make a decision on who they wanted as their manager for ages, weren't they? They had caretaker. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who the caretaker was now. Neil Thompson. Neil Thompson. Yeah, um, he was in charge for ages. If they appointed Darren Moore at the start of that reign, then they probably would be a bit more comfortable instead of you know fighting for their lives. And it's still looking unlikely their chances of staying up. Even if they appointed Moore when Pulis was brought in who knows where Wednesday would be now it'd be a completely different story but just poor decision making at the top at Wednesday well I mean that's been something (laughs) we could say plenty of times over the past few years but if more was brought in sooner I'd agree with you I think they'd be in a completely different situation um final team involved in the automatic promotion race even though I don't really include them in the automatic promotion race anymore because they're out there on their own but we may as well quickly touch on Norwich they drew one all with Preston who equalised in the 95th minute must be said Norwich should have got the three points here if Timu Puki remembered to pack his shooting boots because he missed some unbelievable chances that you'd have put your house on him scoring yeah, he, he stuck three in the net for Finland in the international break as well. So God knows what what was going on here. But yeah, it was a, an uncharacteristic performance from Timo Puki because he, he missed three good chances. Could have easily had a hat trick. He hit the bar as well. Um, and as I say, it's a surprise considering his league and international form of late. Yeah, Norwich have had a bit of an injury crisis at the back recently. Ben Gibson's out for the season. Now Christoph Zimmerman's out as well. So 18-year-old, I'm going to butcher his name here, Adon Amabomideli. Made his first senior start and did pretty well. I suppose with Norwich presumably in the Premier League now, they can afford to give youngsters a run out, can't they? I suppose they can, but they do have to consider the fact that Watford are steamrolling at the moment and they play them towards the end of this month, which could be a big, big title decider potentially if Watford carry on their form. But Norwich don't want to drop any more points 
yeah, going going to the goal specifically was it was poor defending from from Norwich. The Brad Potts goal, allowing him to turn like that in the box wasn't very wasn't very uh, champions like defending. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it, well, if Timmy Pukki had put away those chances, it's a completely different story. Oh, yeah. And they've scored a 95th minute from a deflected shot. It's very unlucky from a Norwich perspective, but it is two successive draws now. Final point on this game. Have you ever noticed how big Daniel Farker's forearms are? He always wears a coat, so I haven't. He's been wearing a shirt recently, and let me tell you, they are gigantic. They're like tree trunks. He's clearly, hmm. in lockdown, been working on his forearms. I, I don't go to the gym very often, so I don't know how you do that. But <laughs> what, what what are those crappy like hand apparatus? You know the ones you squeeze together? Oh, yeah, he, he must be on them 24-7, just <laughs> squeezing that. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, Preston, Frankie McAvoy was in caretaker charge uh, after Alex Neal was obviously sacked. Not a bad way to kick things off, is it, with a point against top of the league? I mean, on paper, it's a point against top of the league, but... When you yeah. dive into it a little bit, the performance wasn't fantastic, was it? They 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 could have been four or five down if, as we say, if Pookie was on form. Um, but you know, it's a point, and they're taking the time bringing in a new manager. It's probably a good time to do it. McAvoy's in charge for the rest of the season now. Well, there um, you go. There's there's a betting in period for for them. Yeah, of course, still not in great form, and they're ten points clear of the bottom three. But that is with a caveat that Rotherham have games in hand, so we'll say six points ahead of Coventry, which is probably a better reflection of the relegation battle. So, still a bit of work to do. They're not completely out of it just yet. Finally, on McAvoy, I quite like him already because he's got a very gentle Scottish accent. He'd be perfect for narrating Gogglebox or some sort of TV show like that. I, I want to hear more of him speak. It's like a bank adverts. They always have soft-toned Scottish people doing them. It's because they sound more trustworthy. That's a fact. That's a marketing fact for you. Is it? It is. It is. Well, at least you can listen to this podcast, listener, and say you don't learn anything about marketing because we've got you covered, baby. <laughs> right, let's move on, Justin. In fact, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about the playoff race and the relegation battle. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Let's talk about the playoff race, Justin, and we'll kick things off with the biggest game you can possibly have in that respect. Barnsley 1, Reading 1. What a game this was. End-to-ends, loads of talking points, none more so than Lucas Shaw with <laughs> the miss of the season. I've watched it about 20 different times and I've got a different emotion every time I watch that. Sometimes it's despair, sometimes it's humour, sometimes it's embarrassment. I just can't get my head round how he's missed that and got to ask the question... Where does it rank in the worst misses you've ever seen? Very highly. 
it's not often i mean it, it becomes a cliche when you say oh my nan could have put that in or i could have put that in but i i actually think that i i i could have had i had a good opportunity to put that into the back of the net mm. uh, you know it's I, I'm not a, a seasoned striker, but I'm a def- I'm an uncomposed defender. I could have taken the ball around the keeper and, and started it in. I wouldn't have hit it to the far corner. It was the opposite side of the goal. I, I'm still trying to break it down and wonder what on earth was going through his head to to make the decision he did. It was just yeah, really really weird, very strange and very wasteful, shall we say? Well, the reason I think it ranks so highly on worst misses ever is because. Well, I mean, there was one missing this match from Yakumete and it's bobbled up just beforehand. That was was harsh on him. But when you've got like a cross coming in and it's coming in quickly and someone's got an open goal, but it's because it's bobbles, he's missed it. Um, I can understand them. With this, I have no idea how he's missed it because the ball is just sat there, isn't it? The keeper's in no man's land, but he's managed to hit it under the Barnsley keeper and hit it wide. (laughs) It's, it just blows my mind how he's managed to miss it. And in a way, it kind of sums up Lucas Shaw at the moment because he's not in the best yeah. of form, is he? He's missed a couple of penalties in that run as well. And now that takes him up to something like 13 hours without a goal now. He is really low on confidence. And it's one of the reasons why Reading seem to be sliding out of the playoffs. Yeah, and it doesn't help my Lucas Shaw's the best striker in the league narrative either. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, but yeah, it's it's befitting of the player that they miss that sort of chance and it almost sums up Reading as well because they, they create opportunities but they, they haven't had them, they haven't put them away. I mean, you talk about the Mete, Yaku Mete challenge and the uh, chance in the first half. It was a good chance it bubbled, it's unfortunate. But Lucas Shaw put in a good ball in the second half for him and he was just millimetres from getting contact on it. It's it's really fine margins for running at the moment. I think once one of them puts the ball in the net, I think well, again once Jao puts the ball in the net, that might might not be a penalty. I think they'll get going, and I think Redden will get going as well. They they looked good at times yesterday. I think Barnsley controlled it to some extent, but Reading had the better chances. Yeah, I thought it was quite a weird game really because Barnsley I thought were the better team with the ball, but Reading had the better chances because they have three one on ones. So I'm not sure really who deserved the win. And I guess if that's the case, then a draw is perhaps a fair result. Let's talk about the positives from a Reading perspective over Yajaria's goal. That first touch, Justin, is delicious. Have you ever seen the film Armageddon? I or, haven't, actually. So they, they send Bruce Willis and co up to a, up to a meteor. They, they mine it, they plant bombs in it to blow up the meteor. It's not scientifically correct by any means, but i tell you what is scientifically scientifically correct having Oviajari on the receiving end of that meteor because he will bring it down <laughs> I was waiting to see where that was going and I thoroughly enjoy where it ended up um, but I get your point it was a superb first touch and the finish as well it just makes you wonder why he doesn't do that more often because he doesn't score many does he he creates plenty of chances but I'd like to see him score more goals and if he did that then Reading have got one hell of a player. I mean, just one hell of a player anyway. But Alex Mowat's penalty, possibly the worst penalty I've ever seen that's actually gone in. Mm, <laughs> He's yeah. side-footed it. The keeper's nearly saved it. But somehow, it's, you've got to look at uh, Rafael Cabral in the, in the Reading goal and say, you probably should have done better with that, mate, which is some, not something you can say very often with penalties. Um, but yeah, a point is a point for both sides. Doesn't really help either one really does it in terms of staying in the playoffs but I think it harms Reading more than it does Barnsley 
Yeah, given that Bournemouth won as well, Reading really needed to pick up the points just to just to give them a bit of breathing space because we're only a point ahead of Bournemouth with, and obviously Bournemouth have a game in hand as well. Barnsley are a little bit more comfortable, but as you say, a point, it's a fair result. And I, I, I was, from a Reading perspective, you, you, you come out of that game thinking we should have won it really we had the better chances we had the better opportunities so I think they'll take that into the game on Monday against Derby and I, I just I mean from a Derby perspective I don't put it to bed but I think they will Let's move on to Bournemouth they won 3-1 against Middlesbrough Jonathan Woodgate's revenge um, I think it's safe to say Bournemouth deserved the win here didn't they? They did and we've not often seen that and they showed a lot of character as well because obviously Borough equalised and it's, it's that point where sometimes these teams, the game swings the other way, but they, they didn't, they kept going. They scored some really good goals. Billings' goal, for example, was, was, was really good. It's a really well-timed run. Housen helped him by not tracking the run, but I think Bournemouth aside that need players chipping him with goals because Slanky hasn't been overly prolific this season, but when you've got players like Dan Juma, Stanislas Billing all chipping in, it certainly helps. Yeah, as it stands right now, you'd say... The, the playoff chasers, Barnsley, Reading, Cardiff and Bournemouth, you'd say them and Barnsley are looking the most likely to finish in the top six now, wouldn't you? I mean, Reading is still... I think Reading might still edge Bournemouth. I'm, I'm really? still yet to be convinced about Bournemouth under Woodgate. I think this, this game could be a turning point for, for them. But given the, the tight turnaround in, in the games, obviously we're playing on Monday... That, I think after Monday is when you can start saying, OK, this is how it might shape out. I think just the quality in the Bournemouth team really will shine through it eventually. It shouldn't be too surprising that Bournemouth could be finishing the playoffs because the talent they've got is just ridiculous. And it's been up to Woody to get the best out of them. And it looks like he's finally making that happen. Finally. Um, so if they manage to keep that progression going then yeah playoffs shouldn't really be an issue across the course of the season we've bemoaned Borough not taking their chances their lack of consistency as well but to be fair to Mr Warnock they've had a fair few injuries this season haven't they and the likes of Fry and Dyke Steele were sorely missed in this game weren't they they were and I think it was individual moments that let that let Borough down in this game I was talking about House and not tracking Billings run he was, he was too slow to react um, the defending for Solanke's goal was very static. I think it was Grant Hall pretty much stayed still as Solanke took a, he had the rebound and then had another shot. Um, so I think that's where they're at at the moment. They've lost too many games this season when you compare them to Cardiff, Bournemouth, Reading and Barnes. They've lost more games than them. They've been a bit easy to beat, but I think they start to turn those losses into into draws next season. It's a fine margin. I think Borough can... They're, they're, they're very much in a driving seat to be able to challenge closely for a playoffs. Uh, playoff place next season yeah especially with Mr Warnock there we all know what he's like at championship level if they had won this game then the playoff hopes would probably still be intact but it's not happening anymore is it Cardiff playoffs hopes they suffered a big blow after they lost 1-0 to Forest James Garner getting the goal the question is Justin how much of a blow is it to Cardiff's playoffs hopes is it a hammer blow or perhaps is it some sort of other tool based blow I'll go to a I'd probably say a fist to a stomach. You know, I think it's if it's a tool-based blow, you, you're expecting to be completely conked out by it, knocked out to the floor. Whereas if you know if it's a punch to the stomach, it's going to hurt, but you can recover. 
So I think it's, yeah, more of a punch to the summit with a fist. Okay. The game itself was a frustrating <laughs> one for Cardiff. Uh, Forrest didn't really have many sights of goal, while Cardiff had some decent chances. They seem to be missing that cutting edge, which has been a common, a common issue for Cardiff all season from open play, hasn't it? I thought the goal as well that they conceded was very sloppy. I counted 10 Cardiff players in their own box, but somehow Forrest managed to drill across along the ground and find James Garner in there. One of the, I think there were three Forest players in there. So from that perspective, it's a bit of a disappointing goal to concede. I I think it was a good goal to score. I thought it was well worked from Forrest, but now you say it, I think because Cardiff were defending so deep, no one was really tracking Garner's run. No one was tied to Garner, so he had the opportunity to essentially just thrash the ball into the net. They weren't quick enough to Cyrus Christie either. Obviously, he got the ball in, and Abiobi seemed to have a lot of time to be able to slide it to Christie. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of moments there that could have been overturned. I don't think you could take the credit away from Forrest because I, th- I you know, I thought it was a very good goal. But as you say, the thing that's letting Cardiff down at the moment is just a lack of incisiveness in front of goal from open play. Yeah, Forrest's first win in seven games. Not a bad side to win against, is it? It goes a long way to easing any fears of being once again dragged into the relegation battle. And once again, I've got to lay some praise at the door of James Garner in the Forest midfield, who really ran the show. I thought he was excellent here. And wherever he's playing his football next season, whether it's at Forest or another championship side, he's going to be a real player. On to the relegation battle, Justin. And it was a great Good Friday for Derby. They beat Luton 2-0. Luton had a few chances in the first half and really should have scored at least one of them. But it ended up being quite a comfortable win for Derby. It was. I was I was quite disappointed with Luton. I thought they were they were too deep. They didn't press enough in the first half and allowed players like Max Bird to dictate dictate the game. When a team's winless in, in six or seven like Derby are, get at them. They're not confident. Get at them. Make it uncomfortable for them. But they, they made it very comfortable for them. And we saw players like Tom Lawrence who as we know, is a very frustrating player, but he showed what he's capable of. Derby's good attacking moments came from him and obviously he won the penalty as well and Martin Waghorn obviously had a rocket up his arse from Rooney. He he was very good um, as well. He set up the goal for Gregory. So it, it was a good day all round for, for Derby. I think defensively they still looked a bit iffy. They obviously say Luton had a lot of chances in the first half. Um, I think they could have done better, but wasn't 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 to be on the day. I thought they defended well in the second half. In the first half, yeah, they yeah, gave yeah, away yeah. quite a few chances. Adebayo, I don't know how he didn't score at least one mm. goal in the first half. But yeah, in second half, it was a different story. I don't think it was by no means a stunning performance uh, from Derby, but Luton barely offered anything in the second period. Uh, Tom Lawrence really made the difference for me. Him coming back could really drag Derby out of the relegation zone. There was an interesting moment in this game. When Luton had an attack, the ball's on the far side of the pitch and it's in the opposite corner of the screen. Um, but then in the opposite corner of the screen, you see Nathan Byrne and Kin and Dewsbury Hall having a wrestling match. <laughs> there was talk of whether it should have been a red card or not because Dewsbury Hall had a couple of swipes at Byrne. He, pun- he pushed him, I was nearly said punched him then. He pushed him in the face. And then when he eventually got out of the chokehold that Byrne had him in, um, he's like swung his leg a bit. What did you make of it? Do you think it was a red? I I mean, the letter of the law, you put the hands in the face of an opponent, uh, of an opponent, it's a red card. Um, uh, you know, if I'm going... As as neutral as I can be on this, I, I I do think it was a red card. I don't think you can do that. Obviously, Burn fouls 
Dewsbury Hall by holding on to him and then holding on to him for as long as he did. But he didn't do anything dangerous. He was just holding on to him. It's annoying, but you can't react like that. And he showed his inexperience, but he got away with it and it didn't it didn't affect the game, so it is what it is. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? Luton are safe in the middle of the table and they ended up losing this game anyway, so not a massive talking point. But there's no doubting how big a result it is for Derby and their chances of staying up. Eight points clear of the bottom three now and it also halts their recent run of form. Wayne Rooney said he told the players before the game, we can't leave the stadium without three points. So the question is, Justin, if Derby hadn't have won, what would have happened? Would Rooney have forced them all to stay there until their next game? What do you think? Just forfeit the Reading game. That's away from home on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll wait till the next one at Pride Park. We're not leaving. Not leaving till we get our three points. <laughs> I just want some answers, that's all. Uh, Rotherham's mental fixture schedule got off to a bad start. They lost 1-0 away at Millwall. What a goal by Jed Wallace, though. They've scored some bloody good goals this season of Millwall. And I think this one probably won't get the credit it deserves because it was inside the box. But that is one hell of a volley. You know what? I think a lot of people say, oh, he sliced it. I know he 100% meant it. And because he didn't have the perfect connection on it, I think that's what bamboozles the keeper. Um, You know, you're looking at Wallace's body. It looks like he's about to wallop it into the far corner. But he just catches it nicely with a bit of power off the side of his foot and it just lovely right and curl into the top corner. I don't think the keeper would have had a chance to save it. It was a really, really good goal. Beautiful goal. Rotherham had a penalty saved by Bartosz Bielkowski. He also made a very impressive save from a Rotherham chance early on, so he had a great game. Apart from those two moments, Rotherham didn't have much else, though, and considering this is the freshest they're going to be over the next month and a half, would you say that's a concern? Um, yes and no. I thought they should have had a penalty in the first half as well. I think Ladapo was pulled back by a Millwall defender. I can't remember who it was. There you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I thought they should have had a penalty. But again, it's these fine margins when you're down there. If you don't take them, then they seriously impact <laughs> the outcome of your game. And it did. They'd have, they'd have come away with a draw, which isn't a bad result to start off the ridiculous run of games you're going to have. Rather than played three games in March, in April they're playing nine. <laughs> contrast I mean how how are they going to cope with that I have no idea the QPR gave Coventry a bit of a thumping beating them 3-0 this was as comfortable a win as it gets for QPR they actually could and probably should have scored more if you were a Coventry fan and were looking ahead to how they were going to do in the business end of the season you'd have seen this game and been very very worried Coventry have been inconsistent all season but in defeat I can't really remember them playing terribly at too many points in the season, but this was a terrible performance. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's uh, it, it really wasn't a good day. And I mean, consider that Birmingham and Derby both won, um, and the manner of performance. It was such a kick in the teeth for Coventry when it, when you had a, uh, a rest, an international break. You know, get players back in. It just it didn't seem like a performance that had that. You know, sort of preceding it, it was it was really disappointing. They barely kept the ball, and as you say, they could have been on the end of a real hiding had had the keeper not made a few saves. You know, it's the manner of defeat. I think um, the amount of times they gave the ball away to QPR, chances they gave QPR, that's the worry, and that's what they have to get right on Monday. They've now switched positions with Birmingham and are four points above the bottom three. How do you assess their chances now? Are they the main candidates to go down? Do you think along with Wednesday and Wickham? I think we're seeing a different Birmingham City team. I've said for a while now that I just 
it's very. I, I find it very difficult to see Birmingham City picking up points on their run, but they're doing it. Um, I, at no point have I considered Coventry to be, you know, real real candidates as much as I have Derby and Birmingham. But this performance is a is a big concern for me, um, and it should be for Coventry fans as well. Uh, so, based on this performance, you start to ask the question. Yep. I thought QPR were fantastic and they've actually been fantastic since the turn of the year. In fact, only Norwich and Watford have picked up more points in 2021 than QPR. It's truly remarkable how much better they've been in the second half of the season compared to the first. Unfortunately, it's too late for it to actually mean anything this campaign, but hopefully they can take that momentum into next season. One player in particular who I think will be key to any success they have next season will be Elias Chair, who was fantastic against Coventry. He's had a good season. Only five players have created more chances than him. But I feel like there's much more to come from him. He's still a young lad. I think he's 23. But he needs to be more consistent than he has been. And I've said that a lot about him this season. But it's the only thing that's letting him down. He's got eight goals this season, which is a good return for an attacking midfielder. Only two assists. But as I say, he's been creating loads of chances. So it's more about the strikers not putting them away. But I think he has as many good games as he does games where he's a bit of a passenger. And if he's able to get around that, then I see no reason why he can't be as good as Eberechi as he was last season. Very similar players, but it's just about living up to that promise. Wickham, they beat Blackburn 1-0. Fred Onyedima with the goal. This was a great game. Loads of chances for both sides, but it was the chair boys who came out on top. I've seen a few murmurs about whether Wickham are actually down and out just yet. Justin, what do you think? I mean, there are only two points off Sheffield Wednesday and we've given Sheffield Wednesday a glimmer of hope. So I think we should start giving Wickham a little bit more respect because it's a, it's a, there's a lot of points to make up. But why not? I mean, if they, I don't think they have the, I don't think they have the enough quality to make up the gap. But why not generate some momentum and take it until the last few games? Why not make it nervous for the big teams above you? I'm not sure I agree with that. Oh, come on. I I think the difference between Wickham and Wednesday is Wednesday have played quite well in recent times. And even though results haven't necessarily gone their way, they've looked very good. And they've also got a game in hand on Wickham. Um, And you've got to remember their nine points from safety as it stands. That's ignoring Rotherham's games in hand. Nine points is a big gap for a Wickham side who have only won seven games all season. And when there's seven games left, that's a lot to ask, I think. We've seen, like, Wigan's run last season. Barnsley had a similar run last season. Barnsley had a similar run this season. I don't think it's out of the question. I'm the most pessimistic person in the entire world. I think everybody should, everybody knows this. Every listener will know this. And I have a bit of optimism for Wigan. Maybe it's a little bit misplaced, but I'm, I'm fully fully into this I, I, I don't think they will do it but I think they'll make it a very very nervy time for a lot of teams above them hey I'm not going to debate that you're the most pessimistic person on earth <laughs> but, but I'm just saying if you think Rotherham have got a good chance of staying up then you can't say Wickham have got a good chance of staying up because Rotherham have got to make up those points and you can't say both of them are going to make up those points someone's got to go down Justin <laughs> I'm saying it <laughs> Let's finish off with a game which means absolutely nothing. Stoke beat Bristol City 2-0. Only thing I can mention about this is Bristol City's home form. It's just bizarre at this point. Seven straight losses. And they've only only scored one in that time and conceded 13. 
Mm. It's just mental how bad they have been at Ashton Gates. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But there you go. Now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. Wednesday, boss Darren Moore has tested positive for coronavirus. It meant he wasn't in the dugout for the game against Watford on Friday. Not ideal when you're fighting for your lives near the bottom of the table. Not ideal timing at all. Uh, Neil Warnock says British Ambalonga is finished at Middlesbrough. He says he's not going to play again this season and he's going to leave when his contract expires in the summer. What do you think of that, Justin? He did something similar with uh, Rudy Gestead last season, didn't he? Um, although last season was a bit different because of the the restart. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit strange, but considering he's not really done the business for Borough all season... Are they going to miss him? Don't think so. I think when you consider he joined Borough for something like twelve million oh, back in yeah. twenty seventeen, he's not lived up to the expectations of a player of that price, has he? I don't think it's been a bad spell, but it's not been a great one either, has it? And this season, his career has really stalled. He's missing chances that he'd have scored before and doesn't seem to be the same player that he was so with that being said maybe a clean break for both parties isn't the end of the world plus I bet he's must be the highest earner at Borough by quite a distance mm-hmm. it could be a good signing though for someone in the summer couldn't he yeah, well quite a few championship clubs who are desperate for a striker um, the amount of money that championship clubs are spending on agents has been revealed so between February last year and February uh, this year Norwich spent £6.8 million pounds on agents, which is the highest in the division. Next highest was Bournemouth on 5.6 million. Then there's a bit of a drop to Stoke, who are the third highest on 3 million. The lowest three are Wickham, Rotherham and Millwall, who are all around 250 grand or less. In total, 40 million was spent in the space of a year on agents. What do you make of that, Justin? I can't, I can't really say anything negative because I play football manager a lot. And you have to negotiate with agents on there, and I'm very bad at it. They get one over me every time, and that's just what they do. They're very good at it. They know what they're doing. So, and look, if you're, I mean, agents do a lot more than just take money. They obviously they've got to negotiate for the player. In some in some teams' cases, it, it links with agents is very positive. Looking at Wolves, for example. So yeah. it's not they're not the they're not a. Uh, they're not as poisonous as chairman make out. This is chairman don't like spending money, so that's I don't what it really, is. I don't really know why it's so much. I don't really get where it's going unless it's literally just going straight to the agent's back pocket. But there you go. Um, let's do some polls, Justin. This is the time of the show where we give the listener three questions to answer on Twitter to see what they think about the situation in the championship. So the first question we asked our listener was this are Watford as good as promoted yes or no what do you think Justin I think they are I, I really do think they are I've, I think I've pretty much said it throughout this episode I, yeah I think they are as good as promoted 73% said yes 27% said no so I imagine that's mainly made up of Brentford and Swansea <laughs> fans maybe a few Luton fans in there just to try and uh, keep some uh, pessimism there um, is the Lucas Zhao miss the worst miss you've ever seen ever yes or no uh, I mean there's recency bias that's going to impact my, my verdicts so yes absolutely it was terrible I think worst miss I've ever seen. 
I'm trying to think of some now. There was that Ronnie Rosenthal one for Liverpool in like the 90s, which was pretty terrible. But I think that might have bobbled. Carnu, Carnu, West Brom. And you literally where the camera pans to Brian Robson saying how because he missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but that that one, I think that that was a cross, wasn't it? And it's coming quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, the worst yeah. one, actually, the worst one I've ever seen was Chupamoting for PSG <laughs> like a year or two ago where... <laughs> The ball yeah. is literally going in and he stopped it on the line. Yeah, that is yeah, the worst yeah. one I've ever seen. Um, the Lucas Shaw one's the worst one I've probably seen in English football, I'd say. 56% said yes. 44% said no. And finally, which chocolate is the best? An Easter-themed question for you here, Justin. Cadbury, Galaxy or Lint? What are you saying? Wait, where's Nestle? Oh, you mean... Uh, See, we let we left out Nestle because I can't really remember what Nestle chocolate is necessarily like. Oh, what a travesty! I I, I abstain. Okay, I I yeah. Well, our listeners Nestle. didn't abstain. Fifty percent, fifty percent of them said Cadbury. Twenty nine percent said Galaxy. Twenty one percent said Lint. Is that right with you? Don't care. Fair enough. Right, <laughs> now it's time for this. We're not doing Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight this week because we haven't got any guests, even though Justin showed last time we did it that he doesn't necessarily need any teammates. So instead, <laughs> we're going to do the Craig Bryson pub quiz for any of you who aren't aware of what that is. That was the game that we played the season before this. It's basically Justin's going to give me six clues of a championship legend who has made at least 200 appearances in the championship. It's played relatively recently as well. All I've got to do is try and guess who that bugger is. So, Justin, how about you give me the first clue? I will give you the first clue, Ryan. Thank you. He's made 433 appearances in the championship, scoring 65 goals. That is a lot of appearances. And I'd say the goals indicates he's a midfielder, I would say. Uh, So I'm going to go with Craig Bryson. It isn't. See, I'm surprised none of us have ever done that. No, that's a good <laughs> just, point. <laughs> just gone straight up Craig Bryson. Go on, next one. I started my career in non-league at Harrowborough before moving to Barnet. Moving to Barnet, okay. Where's Harrowborough? To London, I think. Okay, so I'm going to try and think of a London-based player. I'll go with somebody like... Nigel Quasi. No. What? London... What? Do you know, like, the birth certificates of these London-based players? What is your knowledge on them? Because he played for QPR, played for Watford. He must be around London area. Strange, but okay, we'll go with it. Actually, didn't he play for Scotland? He did play for Scotland, yeah. That might be, like, grandparents or something like that. Anyway, move (laughs) on. I, I got my big break in the Championship at Bristol City, where I only missed six games in three years. It's not bad going, is it? It's all right. Um, how many have I got left? Three. So I, I can afford to just have a gamble. The only person who's come to my head is Lee Johnson. <laughs> it isn't, no. Okay. Uh, I was relegated with Bristol City before Burris snapped me up for a bargain. One million pounds. Right. Okay. So I'm going to assume we got relegated with Bristol City in 2011-2012. That season. Uh- no? I think it was 12-13 they got relegated. 12-13, okay. Um, is it from that team? Yeah. Bloody hell, I should get this. 
I can't think of anyone who went from Bristol City to Middlesbrough. Okay, next question, please. I spent three seasons at Borough becoming a key player and a fan favourite. I scored 23 goals in 130 appearances before banging in goals for Villa. What? How many appearances? For Borough, he made 130 appearances and scored 23 goals. I feel like I should get this. I feel like this is very obvious. Is he midfielder? Yeah, 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 he's midfielder. This is is one of those things where the pressure's on and you start... Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is what I feel on a weekly basis. Okay, next one. Oh, I've got two left. Because this is the last clue, mate. What? This is oh, the last clue. No. Oh dear. And he's played for two clubs since, and he's still in the championship now. There are two bonus clues. You're joking. I'm, I'm going to give you your, your final clue now. Okay, go on. I, I was a member of the infamous bomb squad at Nottingham Forest last season. What does that mean? <laughs> the bomb squad. Basically, where players go to just earn their money and not do anything because Forest don't want them anymore. It's very, very well populated. Wow, I, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've given you some fairly easy clues. Okay, one is coming to mind. Final bonus clue: He was promoted with Borough and he was promoted with Villa, but he didn't. Well, he made two appearances in the in the Premier League with Borough. Before I've he just realised who it is. The, the, the issue is. I was thinking centre midfielders instead of wingers, but now I know it is. It's Albert Adama, isn't it? It is Albert. It's Uncle Albert. Uncle Albert. Damn it. I was con- I had my head fixed on centre midfielders, so I was going to like Ashley Westwood and people who I knew had never played for Middlesbrough before, but I was trying to think of Villa players. That was a good one. Fair play to you. Well done, Justin. Shocking from you. Absolutely I, got, I got it. I got there eventually. No, 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 no. You had It doesn't matter clues. how you get there. <laughs> You're just shaking your head I in am. disgust. I got there eventually. I'm happy. So there you go. Right. This has been the second tier podcast. Thank you for joining us. Of course, we have games on what what's the Monday called on the Easter weekend? I don't know actually. Good Monday. Is it Psalm Monday or something like that? I don't I don't know. I I honestly this sort is bank holiday Monday. We've got games on the Monday after Easter Sunday. So we will be doing our next episode on the Wednesday because there's games coming up on the Tuesday as well. So that's when you'll next get an episode from us, ladies and gentlemen. So we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for joining us here on the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Wednesday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,